0: Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, the Spider-Man years. My name is Willie Simpson.
1: My name is Sonya Rappaport.
0: Today, Sonya, we have reached the end of Season 1 of Spider-Man the Animated Series, the 13th episode. It is called The Day of the Chameleon. Well, actually, Day of the Chameleon. Mm -hmm. Um, This, continuing our conversation from last week where we were comparing the end of Season 1 with X-Men... With Spider-Man, I would say that the Hobgoblin ending was a little bit more explosive and interesting than what we get here as the final episode. I and, know. And kind of wish
1: to... that they had like put this at, like uh,
0: second to last, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then compared to the X-Men episode at the end of season one, it doesn't really compare. That was like a really incredible ending,
1: right? With the Sentinels and
0: I, yeah. I seem to remember though that the when we had uh, Eric and Julia Leewold on, they explained to us they weren't sure if X-Men was coming back after season one, so they. Fashion go
1: out with a bang, right?
0: They fashioned the end of season one like this could be the end of the series. Uh-huh. Spider Man, they probably had an idea that it was going to be picked up, but this one, like it, it's reflective of what we've seen in season one a lot, which is you're introduced to a new villain. It's just kind of a standalone episode, and it's just like that's what the stakes are. Mm-hmm. There's not much. Um, there's not much like more to the formula there. I right. think the formula is going to change in a more interesting way as we get into seasons two and three.
1: Right. But we also get some, like, really classic J. Jonah Jameson action in yeah, this episode. A, well,
0: that, that was a theme we saw in a lot of the standalone episodes this season, was yeah. J.J. plays a prominent role.
1: But it keeps it interesting. Right, and
0: there is an element which we'll get into uh, about this. Cameo. Right. A major cameo, like a Marvel Universe cameo that we'll get into that sort of elevates the standalone to, like, more than your standard fare. Um, but before we th- go there, I want to say that Last night we we rewatched Spider Man Into the Spider Verse.
1: I liked it even better than the first time.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, um, what else did I want to say about it? We're not uh, going to get
1: into it right now, right? We'll save that for another yeah. We're not
0: going to like break down design. the movie. We're going to like do, dedicate a whole episode to that one day. But I just want to say it's just stunning to marvel at its pop artness.
1: Yeah. It's really gorgeous.
0: I just... This time, for some reason, I really appreciated the end credits. They stuck out to me more Mm -hmm. than... Not the very end bonus scene credits, which was funny, but, like, the actual when they're rolling the credits and they're showing all this, like, uh, B-roll art that they've compiled.
1: Spider-Man, like, multiple Spider-Mans in a roller skate chain. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) Right.
0: Spider-Man sitting behind his desk with, uh, like, evocative of that 60s meme of Spider-Man. Um, just, like, lots of, like, glorious, like, camera movements and all sorts of Spider-Man stuff happening. Yeah. It just really made me appreciate um, what was going on. Uh, I have two minor nitpicks I want to quibble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really waiting for, it in the end credits, the, throw out, the tribute to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, which they gave. And it was actually really nice. So, instead of, like, most of these Marvel movies, if it's... They'll just say, you know, X-Men created by uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby, mm-hmm. and that—that's it essentially. This one went a little beyond. They had like a nice little quote, um, I think, from Stanley, and then like the producers of the film were like, "We really want to thank Stanley and Steve Ditko for what they created here," something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine and appropriate. My one quibble with that was that. And I know this is going way too deep into Spider-Man, like, who created what lore. I think they should have also uh, attributed Jack Kirby as well. Mm. Because he drew that first Spider-Man cover, Amazing Fantasy 15, the very first appearance of Spider-Man. It's such an iconic cover. You see it a lot in this movie, too. Miles Morales has... Like various versions of this famous Jack Kirby cover, and to me, that's Jack Kirby art. Mm-hmm. And he, like, you know. And then there's like, if you really wanted to get into like the, the super like crazy controversial backstory, which I'll touch on briefly, is that Jack Kirby for years thought that he actually did create Spider-Man, and he claimed to do it, mm-hmm. not Steve Ditko. That he, you know he drew a version of the character, and um, and Stan Lee corroborates this. That and Stanley rejected Jack Kirby's version. You know, it's a totally different costume and different feel of the character. Like maybe he had a magic ring or something, but like beyond that, Jack Kirby says no. I actually created the Spider-Man you know and love. Is it's mine. I came up with the idea too. And then there's there's been like if you read these like deep Marvel like books and things, there is like some evidence that might back up Jack Kirby that he came. He may have even come up with the idea in the fifties. You know, um, there's like a whole thing to it. Um Steve Ditko over the years he passed recently like a year or two ago. Yeah. He has refuted this as well. Uh he presented a version of the Jack Kirby Spider-Man artwork that Stanley supposedly rejected and he says and you could see it's like clearly two different characters. But uh, like I said there's still like a hint of like mild controversy there. And, so you
1: feel like they should have just given out credit to everybody, just in case. Well,
0: everybody's like a small group. It's Jack, yeah. Stan, and Steve, right? And but and like I said, beyond even if Jack Kirby didn't create Spider-Man, he certainly did make that first iconic cover, that is like incredible. That like, you know, I have a T-shirt of it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I think that alone, like he set the immediate tone of that comic book. And I know it's Steve's artwork and everything, but still, that was just like one minor. Like it's like I wonder. It's like. They just have to give maybe Spider-Man's not the appropriate place but Marvel somehow has to reckon more with giving Jack Kirby his due. I know that Stanley just passed and there's a lot of attention on Stanley in the past year. Um, but still Jack Kirby, you know, he he in the in the way that Marvel has completely dominated the cultural landscape in the past 20 years, there's something like needs to be done for Jack like a major Documentary, like a, I mean, like a real heavyweight documentary, like they did for Mister Rogers. Mm. You know what I mean? Or even like a. My dream always was uh, to have. It doesn't have to be like a whole series, but maybe a one-season miniseries of of Marvel Studios in the 1950s and early 60s like Mad Men style, because they actually worked on, that's where the studio is located, in Madison Avenue. Oh, really? Yeah, and where you see Stan and Jack and all the characters, Martin Goodman, the the editor-in-chief of the company, you know, like all, like, and you get, like, the real nitty-gritty, like, how did they come up with this stuff in, like, such a bygone era, and I just find that all, like, fascinating. I would love to see, like, a period piece about that. Maybe one day that'll happen, something like that, but um, Jack Kirby needs his due as well. Yeah. All right, anyway. Oh, my other minor nitpick, and uh, Sonia thinks this is really stupid, is that I pre-ordered stupidly the digital version of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for Amazon Prime, and like you said, we watched it beginning to end uh, the day it came out, and like right after it ended, Amazon Prime pops up and they're like, uh, "You should, if you like that movie, you should get these movies," and one was the 4K like, ultra-high-res version for twenty four ninety nine, And the other was the same version I bought for $20, bucks. spider man plus the bonus features. And I was just annoyed, like, how come this wasn't for sale when I was pre-ordering it the week before? I want the bonus features. And I know you don't care about bonus features or anything, but...
1: No, the reason I think it's... Well, first of all, I think it's stupid that they offer pre-ordering on a digital
0: item because it's not like
1: the store is going to run out you know they just have it so it's fine um the other thing is i think it's stupid that they don't offer versions of that the bonus features you know what i mean like if you pay two dollars extra you can get the bonus features as like an add-on if you already bought the right (laughs) the full-length movie like it's (laughs) dumb that they that amazon just doesn't have more options because you know I they just can get your money. I know. Not. I just, I
0: just feel like a sucker every time I pre-order anything in my life. There always some like slightly better version comes out that I really want, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I can't get it. I already spent twenty twenty five bucks on this other one. Yeah, I, just, I would feel like a real idiot for buying that. And like, and even is that
1: the scheme is, do they think like, oh, yeah, I think so. Like now that we have this other version with bonus features available, you're going to spend another twenty. Bucks I think that's on entirely do the scheme. Do
0: that? I I bet there's some who are. I think there has to be Spider-Man fans. Uh, crazy enough that probably would be like, oh, I, I got, I had to pre-order the digital regular version. Now that it's, it's the day of the release. All oh, these other versions out, I, I, I have to have it.
1: It's not that I don't like bonus features. Yeah, it's just. That makes me morally upset. <laughs> I know, me
0: too. I, and I feel like, and more than anything, I just feel bad at myself that I just couldn't wait a day and see what my options were. <laughs> it's just I, like, I gotta have it now kind of mentality. I gotta learn something there. All right, but anyway, that's a, that's a dumb aside. Uh, so, this chameleon episode uh-huh. what's the deal with this chameleon guy? What's the deal? <laughs> yeah, what's the deal with the chameleon? Uh,
1: well, he's a shapeshifter, and he has a magical belt that helps right. like stabilize. Well, he's not him. he's not
0: like Mystique. No. So he's not a shapeshifter like in the natural sense.
1: No, but right. he's <laughs> in, he's an
0: artificial shapeshifter.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. In essence, right. if
0: anyone, it seems like if anyone got the belt, they'd be able to shapeshift.
1: Well, yes and no, because right. didn't he have specific surgeries done yeah. like to? Make his skin basically like a blank slate.
0: Yeah, so this is something that's never explained in the show, I don't think. We had to look it up. Uh he's the chameleon's this weird looking guy. He's got like a white ghost face.
1: With like no his nose is like,
0: chopped like a off. skeleton nose. Right. And he wears this weird purple costume. And um, there is an explanation, obviously, in the comics. They went to great lengths to explain it. Like, essentially, at some point... I mean, he originally started off when he was a a Ditko Lee character. He started off as just this guy who was really good at makeup (laughs) (laughs) and voices, I guess. He was a master actor. Uh Also, he was like a... He's also like an outdated Soviet bad guy, too. You know, mm. like a Soviet spy. They don't, like, bring that element up really at all in the It kind of makes
1: sense. Like, he, his base self kind of looks like a white version of the Red Skull.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. He's, like, he's in, like, the Red Skull territory. Like, weird, like, faceless man. Yeah. Um. He's also, we ran Wikipedia of surprise, he's, like, the half-brother of Craven the Hunter. or He's related to him somehow, <laughs> which I thought was weird. And they, they have, they also said, so later on, so first he's just a master of disguise. Then he gets a magical belt with holograms on it. Um, and then like later on he takes some kind of serum, which I said might be related to the serum Craven takes mm. that sort of like slightly enhances his strength and lets him maybe shape shift naturally or six But in the, the process of taking that serum, that's when he gets his face surgically altered to be like a white. See, and that always annoyed me as a kid watching the show is that they never explained like what the deal with this guy was and no one really ever commented on. Like there should have been one line from Peter's like, What's up with your face? Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean? right? Like I guess you know
1: well yeah really the annoying thing about him is that he wears this magical belt all the time
0: yeah. it's very visible
1: it's so visible and like nobody picks up on it that it's that's like... <laughs> the thing that like identifies him as being the chameleon and not the person that he's shifted into
0: i think clearly the belt in the purposes of the show i haven't i, I mean i obviously i don't remember any chameleon comics i might remember from the very early Comics, the chameleon comes up, but he's not like the version we get here, mm-hmm. which is the the more like updated one. Um, it's I, for the viewer, though, right? Right, It like, has to be it's for the for kids us
1: watching it, being like, "That's the chameleon, watch out!" Right?
0: The kids have to see the belt to realize it's him, and the characters never notice the belt, which is ridiculous because it's a gaudy nineteen seventies belt, yeah, with, like a, a big,
1: huge golden oval on the like right on the belt buckle with an
0: emerald like. The, the oval is like emerald color. It's or fine.
1: I understand the purpose of it, but it's annoying.
0: Yeah, I, I agree too. It's so that's my point. Like the chameleon's not my favorite character on the show. He's a little. It's like he's not as cool as Mystique. First of all. What's it, the other
1: part with his clothes? Like they explain the clothes somehow. In the, in the right? Wikipedia
0: page, they said that it's some kind of memory cloth that responds to electrical impulses or something that allows
1: impulses. Pul- yeah, you said, that right? allows
0: it. You know, him to switch outfits and yeah. everything. Because
1: that's one of those mysteries with Mystique that we never really figured out.
0: But that, but, but with Mystique, you're right. But with Mystique, it was like all connected to her singular power. Yeah. So you um, could let it
1: go a little easier because you're not trying to science it away. Right. There's no
0: like <laughs> the science on that is a little less specific. Um, but anyway, um, we said that there was a big Marvel thing in this episode, and that is the introduction of S.H.I.E.L.D. into yeah. the Spider-Man universe. Now, I think we caught glimpses of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the X-Men show. They were background cameo characters. Nick Fury never appeared and had any speaking lines. I mean, he might have, you might have seen his face, but you, uh, he never spoke. Um, here, he's a full, full fleshed out character. And this is the old school Nick Fury the one that David Hasselhoff ended up playing in a real cheesy, like made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. It's the white guy from World War II with the eye patch. That's got he's got the the Reed Richards hair, mm-hmm. where it's colored on top, and he's got the wingtips mm-hmm. like Paulie Walnuts from Sopranos. <laughs> right. and he's a he's a grizzled old. Um, he sounds like to like Lloyd Bridges. Uh, I mean, I wonder if it was Lloyd Bridges. I, I should probably check the voice actor. Because he was doing a lot of work in the '90s, I was gonna say Lloyd Bridges from Seinfeld, the Mandel bombs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You remember that uh, that character in Seinfeld works out with that old man, um, who who like drags him with the car. Lloyd Braun. Not Lloyd. Bront. Lloyd Bridges was the actor, the very famous actor. Lloyd Bridges was an old man in the '90s, and he oh, cameoed on know. Seinfeld. This—he was like a weight trainer yeah. from Florida that would always. <laughs> he appeared in Seinfeld several times. Uh, I don't know. All right, anyway, that's just my specific voice reference. Uh. Um, so, Nick Fury's like that. He's like an old throwback 1940s type voice. And technically, you know, Nick Fury, he's from Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos and the the Adventures of S.H.I.E.L.D., all this stuff. Like, he was an, a Jack Kirby 1940s World War II character. That's when he was created. Mm-hmm. He fought in World War II. Um, the reason he always stayed young looking was because he took some kind of super serum. Don't they all? Right. <laughs> so, he had the super serum that, like, prolonged his life like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons <laughs> where he's, like, he's really, like, 100, like, 21 years old but he looks like a fit 58 year old man i mean (laughs) as fit as a 58 year old man can be like as fit as tom cruise is right now Uh right so that has been the story of nick fury forever and he you know he's the leader of shield the super secret organization that in this episode he says does not the fbi and cia don't even know about they fly around in a big helipad invisible flying fortress thing Uh, much like apocalypse has his spaceship—that's yeah. a big invisible ship that flies around in the atmosphere. I, that's what I love about the Marvel universe. I think there's several flying enormous, like Star Destroyer-sized spaceships hovering around the Earth's atmosphere at any given time.
1: There is a lot of space junk up there. Right, blend right in, right?
0: Yeah. Speaking of space junk, do you have fears of uh, the uh, the space junk barrier that we'll never be able to penetrate? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do I about? personally fear yeah. it? No. <laughs> you, <don't. laughs> I, you think they'll solve that problem? It, n- well. So, ex- can you explain have, what the problem is?
1: I have read about, like, efforts to clean it up. Yeah. But I always just wonder, like, what's where is it going to go? Like, they're going to bring it back down to Earth, as if we don't have any pollution problems here.
0: Right. <laughs> like, so, can you explain what the problem is?
1: What the problem is with the space junk? The
0: space dome that they say will make space flight impossible in the future.
1: There's just, like, a lot of crap out there. Right. The, like, Man-made. shuttles and... Uh, Yeah, it's just been, like, left there.
0: Right, yeah, so there's a lot of dead satellites and things. defunct
1: satellites never get brought back down unless, you know, eventually their orbit degrades. Yeah, Yeah, and they spiral back down to Earth. They say
0: the problem is that if, like, certain satellites or space junk collides in a certain way, they'll create, like, infinite—well, not infinite, but they'll create, like, a ton of debris that'll shower the entire uh, Earth's, like, upper atmosphere area that'll make launching rockets impossible.
1: Right, because even like a little speck of metal, right, is a big problem because everything moves at such high
0: speeds. Exactly, up there. and the more these things crash into each other at higher and higher velocities, yeah. the more junk it makes, and it's like Earth will be covered by like a an invisible barrier of junk of our own making. Right. So that <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting. Aside, I brought that up there, but um, yeah, I do think about that. That'd be a shame if like we can't even go to the moon. You know, forget about going to our Star Trek fantasies exploring yeah. the universe.
1: I mean, it's not that surprising.
0: Right, like, yeah, it would it seem pretty Earth, stupid, so. yeah. Um anyway, uh one last thing about Nick Fury, um they've since changed the character officially to make him look like Sam Jackson. So, at some point when they did the Ultimate Marvel series, which is this different universe than the regular Marvel comic continuity, mm-hmm. they, you know, they had like different versions of all your beloved characters. They had a new uh Nick Fury that looked like Sam Jackson coincidentally, right? And then Sam Jackson was cast to play him in the movies, but then they went back into the original Marvel continuity and like made Nick Fury that guy. Hmm. I don't know like like what the story was like if he's his son or something or like anyway they have like managed to like turn like a white like World War II veteran dude into like Sam Jackson uh bold black tall guy. Black man. Yeah, <laughs> also with an eye patch. Hmm. Anyway, uh, we haven't even gotten into this episode yet, really. Um, It opens in some airport, let's say LaGuardia. Uh, It doesn't actually list the airport, but uh, the chameleon's running around. He's being chased after by S.H.I.E.L.D. There is a female S.H.I.E.L.D. agent on his trail. She's got red hair, and she seems like a badass. At first I thought, oh, that's probably the Black Widow, but it's not. She's just referred to as Agent 1 in this episode. Um, They're trying to get the chameleon. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty exciting sequence of a man escaping from an airport. Uh, he... You know, we see that the chameleon can change into other people with his magical little belt. Uh, he hijacks a helicopter.
1: Good thing he knows how to fly a helicopter. Right.
0: There's uh, elements of this opening sequence that reminded me of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Commando. uh uh-huh. Just because, it, like... Uh, you know,
1: the helicopter.
0: Well, no, not the helicopter. <laughs> I don't think there's a helicopter in that movie. Uh, well, actually, there is, but yeah. uh, th- just in the beginning, where he's escaping the airport, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, I don't know. It just crossed my mind. Anyway, uh, Chameleon takes it into Midtown, New York, somewhere. He ends up crashing it into a skyscraper. Somehow he survives this, which is pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, like, I must have looked away and he jumped out the window because yeah. he's an assassin ninja himself. But no, he's crashed in there. Spider-Man rescues him. Um, there's a lot of mayhem and chaos going on. Spider-Man ends up rescuing other people like window building washers. Uh, Spider-Man gets some love here, too, because the crowd really cheers him on. They they see his heroic good deeds. Yeah. Um, the chameleon gets away from all this mayhem. Uh... Th- You know, so he is clearly a bad guy. We can sense that. You know, there's nothing good about him. Uh, Spider-Man sort of, like, loses track in the moment, too. Um, But uh, quite the introduction to the assassin chameleon. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, back at the Daily Bugle, we're introduced to yet another new character. um, Miss Brant, who is J. Jonah Jameson's assistant. Now, I thought for sure... Her name was going to be Betty Brandt, which is the traditional, I believe, Spider-Man character that works for Jonah Jameson. But no, this is Glory Brandt. So I don't know if, uh, uh, is it Glory Brandt or Gloria Brandt?
1: I thought they said Gloria, but I'm not sure. It must
0: be Gloria. Uh, Either way, like, it's either a spin on Betty Brandt or it is a character from the comics I don't know about. But um, that kind of threw me uh, for a loop. Because, um, like, oh, it's probably they just probably just did Betty Brant but made her a black woman. But no, it's, like, a different character altogether. So that's interesting. Um, so she's a new character. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson's having this big party uh, at his place, as he's wont to do. He seems to be the main host for all these massive, fancy New York gatherings.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's so weird, because he's the owner of the newspaper. But in real life, I don't feel like I know... Anybody who's associated with the newspaper business or like the media outlets or anything, you know, like maybe Ariana Huffington, but
0: like that's you don't about know, it. you don't know anyone. Well, I mean, I mean, I know the bad ones, I, and like the Murdochs.
1: Yeah, right. That's true. I guess. Uh, and I guess like JJ is supposed to be.
0: It's Probably a lighter version of Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Not really. I, I don't think, you know, Jay Jonas Jameson was created long before Rupert Murdoch. I think it was right. a joke by Stanley, probably to make fun of his boss, whoever that was. I mean, I, I don't think I it guess. was Martin Goodman who it's was It's just his funny uncle. that
1: he's, like, such a famous figure in society, you know? He has, like, his face plastered on all these billboards and stuff.
0: Right, yeah. It's like.
1: <laughs> I don't yeah, know. he's a celebrity a nice news touch. editor, right? Yeah.
0: Um,. So uh, there's so the point is he's hosting a party because there's going to be this major peace treaty in the world. They don't say between which countries, um, and you know it's a big like to do. And Peter here is in his full photojournalism mode. He's not. He wants to be the f- main photographer for this event. And Jay Jameson's like, no, you're just a, this freelance guy I hired to take pictures of Spider Man. You're like an amateur. You suck. Peter, uh, very, like, ambitiously doesn't let it go. He follows JJ into the elevator, he corners him, he hops into his limo, and he's like, you gotta let me do this, I can win a Pulitzer! <laughs> it's like, wow, like, Peter really wants to win a Pulitzer, too, on top of everything? Yeah. Okay.
1: He's like, just think of all the great Spider-Man photos I've come through with for you. Right? Like,
0: he really begs. Them. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to do that if you want to be make it like far in the world. You have to probably force your way into the room with powerful people and beg them like ceaselessly. <laughs> oh yeah, <Is laughs> that how it works. I don't know. I think. I think for a lot of people, that's probably how it works. You know, uh-huh. and um, you have to kiss butt and beg and like get behind those closed doors. Anyway, uh, JJ finally relents. He's like, okay, well, you can take a picture of my party, not the actual. I'm not letting you into the UN to do the picture but you can do the party picture Mm -hmm. and Peter victory from Peter Uh, meanwhile uh, JJ's limo turns into like a robot limo it like these shackles come up from under a seat and handcuff him down
1: right the driver like pulls into some alley that's nowhere near where they were supposed to be going doesn't
0: the driver also pull pull a gun on them as well I don't know I think he does too I think the driver like turns around and like points a gun at them he's like just relax and the limo turns into a rocket, and it blasts off into the atmosphere. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. has this kind of technology, which is cool. Like, I remember in the Captain America Winter Soldier movie, uh, that great the best scene in that movie is Sam Jackson trying to get away from the, the D.C. police. Oh, the or,
1: Vangies. Right, yeah, yeah. They're
0: actually all undercover uh, Hydra operatives. But, like, he first is like, take me into uh, to air blast-off mode. And it says, like, the air mode's been disabled, you know. It's yeah. like, oh, shit, he had an air hover car? <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, in this cartoon, they show you they do. They have these hover cars. Uh-huh. So um, the the limo takes off. Um, it flies to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. Uh, Nick Fury's taken to, not Nick Fury, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's taken to another room. Peter's put in, like, a prison area. But uh, because Peter's Spider-Man, he can sort of, like, sneak out and see where he is. And that's pretty. First of all, how no one noticed that Peter Parker got out of his cell or whatever. Like, there had to have been cameras.
1: Yeah, totally. And the fact that Also, S.H.I.E.L.D. Around, definitely has to know that he's Spider Man.
0: I know. Like, we were just thinking, too, how easy it would be for a, an organization like S.H.I.E.L.D. to figure out he's Spider Man. All they'd have to do is just, like, they'd get one of their aerial cameras in the sky, point it at him, and see when he goes home. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. what address he goes to. I mean, I'm sure there's other ways they could figure it out, too, but...
1: Maybe they don't care.
0: I guess not. But, I mean, <laughs> the next movie, the the Homecoming sequel, it's all about Spider-Man working with S.H.I.E.L.D., which yeah. is actually a weird... This is, like, a, a weird parallel to that, I'm sure. Or will be when that movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, Peter spies on... You, you, he gives you a tour of what the S.H.I.E.L.D. operation is. Uh, he says, oh, it looks like a, they're training a bunch of high-powered assassins. And that's kind of what they are. They're not really assassins, but they're dangerous super agents. Um... And then uh, Jay Jonah Jameson meets Nick Fury. He's surprised that Nick Fury's alive. He says, I wrote your obituary. And uh, Nick Fury is like, he says, and you messed that up too because you got my eye patch in the wrong eye.
1: Yeah, he pulls it up to show him.
0: Right, and then, you know, the audience remember that for later. And then J. Uh, it's weird that Nick Fury would reveal S.H.I.E.L.D. and himself to uh, a guy like Jay Jonah Jameson, who is the editor of a very, like, mouthy. Media empire. Right.
1: Like, he's famous, but he's not really known for having integrity in particular.
0: Right. And this is a huge story. And, he, and it's a big secret. And he admits to him the FBI and CIA do, don't even know about S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And you're going to tell this guy, who yeah. and owns a newspaper? <laughs> and, I, I mean, Jameson takes it seriously later. He's like, Peter asks him, what was that all about when they fly back home? Right. He's like, national security. Don't ask me about it again. Yeah. Um, that was just like... That's kind of an unbelievable interaction between those two, where... He,
1: no, it's not. Jonah wouldn't tell him.
0: I know, but I'm saying what's unbelievable is Peter, he'd have to pretend, well, because we see Peter eavesdrops in the whole conversation. Yeah, so
1: Peter's pretending that he doesn't know what's going on.
0: Like, I know, but he needs it. it sense to- <laughs> for him to
1: be like, hey, what was that? He
0: needs to pretend more. It's like, we just flew up in a limo car, wow. and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? Oh, well. It's like, we have to r- write this story. Yeah. Um, so, but whatever, you know. Uh, so then what happens? Oh, uh. Nick Fury gives the definition of what S.H.I.E.L.D. is, which is definitely different from the movie version is. Mm-hmm. He calls it the Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. Uh, that is not what it is in the movies. Don't ask me to say it. <laughs> I think it's in the movies. as something like interdiction. I, I don't know. Is that a word? I, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the I stands for, but they, they change it around a lot. Um, so, uh, Jameson now knows that the chameleon's going to break into his party for the purposes of assassination. Um the chameleon is uh breaking into the Daily Bugle right now because he wants he wants to get into this party so he's using his espionage skills to to like to figure out a way to get into this party mainly we see how he gets the disguises he takes pictures with his belt mm-hmm. and he takes pictures of all the Daily Bugle staff members including Peter Parker
1: so that becomes his database of people that he can change into easily
0: yes somehow the belt also alters his voice Mm-hmm. Which, at first, I thought, like, he must just be putting the voice on himself, but, like, later on, we, it's revealed, kind of, that the voices come with the costume.
1: I mean, Mystique does that, too. I Yeah, I but you was can imagine kind of... Mystique
0: changing her vocal cords.
1: Right, but not the chameleon? Why not?
0: I mean, because his body isn't changing. Mm. It's just an image.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Huh.
0: So... Anyway, like, the chameleon's in the Daily Bugle. He's causing mayhem there, turning into different people, like Robbie Robertson or uh, Glory Brandt or J. Jonah Jameson. And then Peter Parker himself. The S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are there, too. They know the chameleon's there. They're trying to track him down. Um, Peter turns into Spider-Man in the Daily Bugle to try to stop him as well. At one point, chameleon turns into Spider-Man. There's a whole bunch of confusion, a lot of, like, weird...
1: The S.H.I.E.L.D. agents keep on... Like, catching the wrong person. Right. And, and, like, then, you know, the chameleon changes to somebody else. It's
0: your pretty standard shape-shifting fare. <laughs> then uh he, the chameleon turns into Peter Parker. He sees Mary Jane. She's like, Peter, are you coming to my uh, big Broadway play tonight? And, um...
1: Just then the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents or somebody are coming by. So, the, like, <laughs> chameleon as Peter Parker just, like grabs her and gives her a huge kiss. Yeah,
0: a big smooch. And,
1: uh, like, he doesn't say anything. And knocks
0: her off her boots, or out of her boots. She loves it. She's like, wow, (laughs) you would never kissed me like that before. Uh
1: Uh-huh. And he says something cheesy. He's like, I was just betting on that Peter Parker was the luckiest man in the world, or something. That's actually pretty funny. Uh.
0: So Mary Jane is swept off her feet. She's very happy that Peter's coming to play, although we know he's not. Right. Um, he's gonna pay for that later. Um, so, but then later on, uh, the chameleon breaks into this party thing. Uh, he, we see he's a pretty adept, like, ninja dude. He's got a, another cool kind of outfit he wears where he, like, swings, like, Batman onto a, like, a skyscraper. He's got a gun that melts the glass mm-hmm. siding of a skyscraper window. That's cool. Yeah, yeah was a nice touch, um... He also catches out of the side of his eye. He's a really good spy. He sees Agent 1, that red-headed S.H.I.E.L.D. agent woman. Mm-hmm. Takes a picture of her. So he has her in his archives, too. He uses that later. He causes mayhem at this party. Again, Spider-Man shows up. The chameleon is slipping out of everyone's grasp. Um, and, you know, it. just they can't catch him in the end. He doesn't manage to succeed at killing the people at the party. But he does get away. And then... We cut to finally – but it seems like the threat's been abated. Um. But uh, it's just it's just a little confusing, like, what happens like at this party and then what happens at the UN. But anyway, at the UN, J. Jonah Jameson's very happy. He's like, I never thought we'd actually get to see this peace treaty finally come to fruition. Peter's there, and jo- Jameson's surprised. Like, how'd you get into this event? I didn't clear you for this. Peter's like, I have my ways. And then he goes to take a picture, and then it's like a laser cannon out of his uh, Nikon camera.
1: Luckily, Spider-Man is there, and he knocks the camera.
0: How did Spider-Man get into the (laughs) UN? Well, Spider-Man has his ways. Yeah, I guess. Right, yeah. so uh, Nobody gets
1: killed by the laser, luckily. Right,
0: yeah. Chameleon gets captured. Spider-Man punches his belt. One of the few punches you're ever going to see in the Spider-Man series um, but they, it doesn't
1: make contact with the human. Right, end. It's yeah. just the belt. He punches so. the belt,
0: right? The belt, like, slowly breaks down. You see him transform into between different characters and the voice change. Um, and the chameleon is defeated. Um, oh, we, I think we skipped the whole part, like, how the party scene ends. Uh, the chameleon, like, changes into Nick Fury, but he's got the eye patch in the wrong eye. Mm-hmm. And that's how Spider-Man catches him. Yeah. I'm not sure how the chameleon gets away from that point, too. But we we're missing some key detail. A lot of crazy <laughs> nonsense happen. Uh, but that's how the, the eye patch thing comes into play. you we are doing a
1: great job on this
0: one. Right. Uh, Spider-Man is, like, talking to his gargoyle pal that he names Bruce, uh-huh. um, who I don't know if is a recurring character in the show or not. I think he is. He, he might have come up in one of the first two episodes. He talks to a gargoyle. Uh, but he's like, man, uh, he's doing his typical complaining. He's like, I saved the whole world and nobody thanks me. It sucks really being Spider-Man. But then Nick Fury, like, appears in a floating hovercraft. He's like, thanks, Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) You really saved the day. Spider-Man's
1: like, all right, I got thanked finally. Yeah,
0: he finally gets thanked. Meanwhile, at the play, uh, oh, we see what happens. Peter's not at the play that Mary Jane's acting in. She's very angry. Shades of the Spider-Man 3 movie. Yeah. When that whole annoying subplot with Mary Jane's acting career. And right. Peter's she's like
1: looking at the empty seat and she's right. reciting these Shakespeare lines. Oh, I think that that's in like...
0: Spider-Man 2 as well. In Spider-Man 2, he's not, he doesn't show up at the theater. Mm-hmm. She keeps giving him tickets and he never goes. Right. right, yeah. But it's
1: poignant dialogue that she's delivering. <laughs> yeah. She's really channeling her emotions from real life. Right.
0: Her acting is always very haughty for some reason. <laughs> um, so Peter goes to see Mary Jane later at her house. Uh, she slaps him in the face, lets him know that, you know, you broke a promise to me, and you're never going to kiss me like that ever again.
1: And he obviously has no idea at first, and then he figures out that it was the chameleon. Right. And he's like, what?
0: <laughs> he's like, wait, let me try to explain. Well, I can't explain, really. Uh, I think there's a way I can explain. And then it sort of ends on some slapstick. Fade opinion. out, yeah. His uh, love life, which isn't the greatest. Right. So that is the end of season one of Spider-Man, the animated series. Um, like Like I said, this episode fully... Similar to the other standalone villain episodes, yeah, definitely. It's just a little more Marvel pizzazz with the whole Shield element. Mm-hmm. But I mean, pretty good. Not like not a stellar ending to season one, but uh, nothing like to complain about. It was a, a totally watchable episode with,
1: yeah, it was, it was like, good, a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, they
1: gave us the the Hobgoblin two parter right before this, so right. I, mean, I mean, that it, was awesome.
0: They're gonna really, I think they're really gonna get their shit together by season two, as far as like being consistently entertaining and not being so one-off-y, and just, like, a narrative thread that stretches through the entire seasons to come forward. So season one, obviously, of any new show, they're working out kinks. Um, They're trying to, like, figure out what works, what doesn't. They're setting up the characters, all the stakes. And, uh, you know, it's a great show, and they did a great job. So, I mean, that's all I have to say about this episode. Do you have any final thoughts on it? Uh, Or season one of Spider-Man in general?
1: No, not really. I mean, I understand what you're saying, that they had to work out some kinks... And it was kind of formulaic the way they introduced all the villains, but now you know like majority of the villains are introduced right we got a couple of like really solid story arcs with um venom and how goblin right those were the best like that was kind of juicier material, so it kind of gives you a glimpse of what's gonna happen, yeah later, definitely, and like now we're set up for season two, so it's yeah,
0: good. absolutely, um yeah, so very good season one. Um, I want to do all our plug sections now. You can follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. Join the X Men Task Podcast Facebook group on uh, Facebook. <laughs> uh, seek us out there. You can speak to us. Uh, rate and review us five stars on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use. And uh, you could follow our podcast also now on Buzzsprout. I think it's Buzzsprout dot com or oh, no X Men Podcast uh You could just search X-Men Test Podcast in Buzzsprout and find it there, too. It's another way to subscribe. And uh, that's all I have to say. Oh, uh, I want to talk about uh, what we're going to do next week. Yeah, what are we doing? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) so I don't like, when we have a season end, we don't necessarily jump to the next season right away. With
1: X-Men, we did, like, a movie in between. We did
0: interviews, too.
1: And interviews. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we might do Spider-Man 1, the the Sam Raimi, Toby McGuire movie we might uh maybe we'll do something bizarre maybe we'll watch an episode of X-Men Evolution that people are desperately want our opinion on huh. for some reason um I mean, I know I mean, people love that show. You yeah. Know, they want to hear what we have to say. I'm I'm just saying for some reason because we never watched it, so it's not like we have a connection to it. Yeah. But I mean, maybe we could do that because we, we kind of promised we would watch that show at some point. I mean, we have we have a lot of directions we can go before we start season two with Spider Man. Okay. Maybe we'll take a break, huh. <laughs> take a week off. Right, we'll we'll see. So, but stay tuned um, for another episode of the X Men Task Podcast: Spider Man Years. Sonya, any final parting words? Uh, no. That's it. Good night, everybody. Good night.